Welcome everyone to the RM Sports Radio Show. I'm your host, Brian Fitz. I'll be joined by my co-host, Roy Fisher, here in just a second. We got a big show planned for you guys today. A lot to talk about, a big debate over the Dream Team, the 92 Dream Team versus the 2012 Team USA. Also, our special guest tonight, Jay Crowder of the Dallas Mavericks and Jerry Cunningham, both new rookies for the Dallas Mavericks. We'll talk about their new moves that they just made today as well. We get to everything NBA, NFL, maybe a little baseball, and of course, your calls as well. So join us, 323-927-2906. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash Radio. On the web at rfsportsradio.com. Without further ado, let me bring on my co-host, Mr. Roy Fisher. How you doing, sir? Thank you so much for the introduction, Rodney. Let me tell you something. I have been excited all day long waiting on tonight's show to debate this topic. I've waited 20 years to debate this topic, and I'll tell you what, I'm excited. Well, you're not the only one waiting to debate it. I'm waiting as well, and I do think that this topic was made for our show. The fact that, you know, not only do we argue anyway being father and son, but the fact that our generations are a little bit different and our views are a little bit different. So this is a debate I think is going to be very interesting and I think it's going to make for a pretty big show today. Well, I hope you have your arguments in order because I'm ready to debate this. Like I said, it's been 20 years. There is an age difference and a gender gap, and maybe we can see who comes out ahead tonight. Well, you know, one thing is I will say this for those that, listen to our show every Tuesday and Thursday night. For the first time, well, I won't say the first time, but very so often do I see Royce put in the preparation work for a show. <laughs> and today he put in a ton of prep work, a ton of prep work for today's show. So I hope it all pays off for you. Well, Rodney, it doesn't take a whole lot of work to prove my point. I just want to make sure I have my facts in order. Because, you know, anytime you have a fact, you can dispute just about anything. Well, I guess we'll, we'll find out what facts uh, you have, and we'll see if your facts really up. match up with my facts as well, too. So we're getting that about 1045. Joining us for the debate will be Derek Page of HoopsWorld.com. He's scheduled to come on with us about 245 to talk about that debate as well. Also, uh, we'll get into the free report that just came out about Penn State and also some up-to-date news on other things happening in the NBA as well, which we just found out a few minutes ago that uh, Blake Griffin will be out of the Olympics, has a torn uh, meniscus, his left knee, uh, but will be back for the start of the 2012-2013 uh, season. So Anthony Davis will take his place. And the USA team to get their first win today over the Dominican Republic. Uh, I guess you could call it a game more so like a, Hard practice, I guess, would be the best way to put it. Yeah, yeah, I would say it was a practice round. But I even got some stats on the 92 Olympic team practicing uh, the game. Here too. we go. So here we go. I'm ready to go notes for notes. I'm going to look forward. And another thing Rodney to mention is the Mavericks are finally making a move. They're like somebody kicked them and woke them up. And we're seeing some movement out of the Mavs. Not what I expected, but. Uh, they are making a move. Let's talk about the Mavericks moves that they have made. Of course, we talk about them a lot uh, on our show since we do cover the Mavs, and we were there when they introduced their rookies. And today they finally make some free agent moves. Out of out of nowhere, I guess they decided to finally do something. They traded uh, Young Mahimi, a favorite of our show. We've had him on several times. Great guy. Uh, Great guy. He came across right. this season. Well, they traded Young Mahimi to the Indiana Pacers for two players. They get two guards, Darren Collison and also Dante Jones. Uh, Collison was selected 21st overall pick back in 2009 by the New Orleans Hornets. Spent his rookie year pretty much starting in place of Chris Paul. Uh, then, of course, uh, Dante Jones, who has been in the league nine years. Uh, but, again, as his career average is only six points a game, 1.9 rebounds, and about 16.8 minutes. Uh, Collison on the average is about 12.1 points. He gets a little more playing time. But, again, you know, these guys are not really starter, build-a-team guys. These guys are in contracts, and I think that's really what the Mavericks are 
looking for is expiring contracts right now. Uh, they also went ahead and put an amnesty in for Brendan Haywood, which they're using the salary cap rules, the new collective bargaining agreement to do that. They can amnesty him. That way his salary does not count against the salary cap. Uh, so he's gone as well, too. Uh, so let me get your reaction, first of all, on, on the uh, on the moves that the Mavericks are making. Well, I, I look at it like this, Rodney. The dinner started at 8 and you show up at 10 o'clock, you're going to get leftovers. That's why I look at the Mavericks pick. But they they, could, they had to do something with the roster they had, and there wasn't a whole lot of people available. I kind of like Collison a little bit, even though he lost his starting job to George Hill. I kind of like that. Them alone, Brandon Haywood, I was all in favor of that. Uh, his numbers last year were terrible. You and I both got to see him play. His uh, minutes were even declining. So that that's a load off of them. But they have to make some kind of movement, how it works out. And what I'm seeing so far is just a mediocre team. I don't see them as a playoff team. But who knows? Maybe Carlisle can get these guys you know, the jail, uh, uh, big contenders. But I, from what I'm saying, what everybody else is doing, I, I can't see them competing. And now the latest is that the Mavericks are really going to bid pretty high for Louis, Louis Scola. And, and Scola's a great player. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, he's done a great nah, job. But I like he's not, that pick. Yeah, but he's not that superstar player that you need to really win. And, and I'm just going to be so shocked when, Dirk walks into the locker room and sees Vince Carter, Sean Marion, right. Roddy B, three rookies, Dante Jones, Darren Collison, and and Louis Scola, a guy who's he's battled with for I don't know how long right. <laughs> when he played with Houston. But I, you know, these moves, I'm glad they're doing something. And but is it enough? Also, they did sign Chris Kamen as well. They're working on a deal with Chris Kamen for a one year deal. Also, but again, the Mavericks are pulling the wool over our eyes again and saying, hey, we're going to get these veterans in cheap, one-year deals, and we'll just load up and get ready to go for the next off-season period. Uh, yeah, we're going to put a team on the floor. That's what it sounds like to me. I like the scholar move because it, it, compared to Brandon Haywood, we're looking at 15 points a game. I agree. Bad. I agree. Yeah, we, we we know he can get that out of him. That's for sure. My understanding is they're going to bring back Delonte West, I like Delonte. I think uh, he'd be positive for the team. But I'm like you. When Dirk walk into that locker room, I, I can't even repeat the word he might say on the air because, you know, you have to look around and go, oh, my God, I, I don't have a chance. You know, I, I, I got three rookies. I got some leftovers. And, you know, I don't know what his reaction going to be. I hope to be there when he does show up in the locker room for the first time. Well, i tell you one thing out there I can rest assured on is that they're putting a lot of pressure on their rookies to come in and be a direct impact right away. I mean, I think they made no mistake about it. By trading that 17 pick of Tyler Zeller to uh, Cleveland, getting those three picks, they're banking on these three guys, Bernard James, Jay Crowder, Jerry Cunningham, to really come in and make an impact right away. So we got a chance to catch up with them. Interviewed them real quick. We'll play those. Uh, we did catch up with Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder was actually the biggest player of the year last year. Uh, he's right. a defensive-minded guy, plays tough down low, plays with a lot of heart. His nickname in college was the Manimal because the guy plays like a half-man, half-animal. So they call, call him the Manimal. So we caught up with him. I talked to him a little bit about his hard determination, joining the Mavericks, and also asked him who could he not wait to guard. You know, he's he's, he's Pride prides himself on defense. Who can you not wait to guard in the NBA? I think you'd be surprised by his answer. So here's uh, Jay Crowder on rfsportsradio.com. Thank you. RF Sports Radio here with Jay Crowder. First of all, man, congratulations on joining the Mavs. Well, you knew you got selected. You know, what was going through your mind? Is this a team that you kind of paid that hopefully you go to? Of course, because you know they compete. Uh, they're, they're in the playoffs uh, each and every year. So that's a team that um, it's a great organization. You know, it's a few teams in the league that uh, has a history like, like Dallas Mavericks has. And uh, I, was, I was pleased uh, with the, with the uh, situation and where, where I ended up at. Now, I didn't get a chance to see you play throughout college, but I saw you in the tournament, you know, playing with Marquette, Big East Player of the Year. You're a tough player, man. I think your game really transitioned to the NBA. 
you looking forward to banging bodies to get some of those big guys down low? Oh, for sure. I feel like I can do uh, a, lot of, a, lot of every, a little bit of everything. Uh, and uh, at this level, you have to make uh, make do with what, what you got and try to be a, a great professional, uh, be someone that can uh, get on the court and compete uh, at the highest level. And I look forward to doing it, uh, and I'm happy. Now you play with a lot of heart as well, too. You know, yeah. How much does that help you throughout your college career? And you know you got to take that on to the NBA, too. I think when, when, the, when, the, doors, when the doors are closed and when no one around, that's when uh, my heart builds up. That's when, uh, when you really don't want to do it and you push yourself to do it, uh, that's what builds my heart. That's what builds me uh, to go out and perform the way I performed. And uh, I don't look... I don't look. For, I look forward to just doing the same thing here. Uh, just whenever uh, times get rough, you got to have heart. You got to have uh, pressure. You got to get through it. And I feel like that's what I've been doing uh, this far in my life. Now, what's the one player you're looking forward to kind of matching up with and, and guarding the NBA? If you had to pick, maybe one. Oh, LeBron. All right. <laughs> no doubt. Thank you again, man. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You're, you're, you heard it, man. And, and, and if you want to uh, go back here to the interview, all you have to do is go to rfsportsradio.com, and we've got the whole interview up. You heard him. The man says one play he wants to guard has got to be LeBron James. Yeah, well, right now I'd like to guard LeBron James too, but can I, can I guard him? Cowboys fan, Rangers fan, any other Dallas fan besides the Mavericks? Uh, I'm a Cowboys fan now. Okay. Yeah. Now, now you are. Yeah, definitely. Okay. I mean, I always used to watch them. I like the star and the helmet, so uh, that's what got me attracted to them. But uh, I'm loving the city and I'm loving to be here. Now, you're going to have some pretty big shoes to fill. A lot of people are looking for you to come in and make a direct impact. Uh, how are you taking that mentally? Uh, it's mentally, you know, just coming in preparing, just work hard. Um, you know, just um, earn everything everything that's going to be in, in front of me. Uh, just the opportunity is there. You know, I just got to go out and, and take it. Take us back to when you first got selected. What was going through your mind? Were you around friends or family, or, or what was the setting like? Uh, I was down in L.A. with my family at my agent's house. Um, you know, once the 23rd pick got called, uh, I got a call from my agent and said, you know, we're on the phone with Dallas. You, you might be uh, end up in Dallas. And, uh, you know, that was a great, a great uh, time to hear that. And once they said the 24th pick that I was going to Dallas, you know, I was excited and I was honored to be a part of the Mavs. And the Mavs fans, they love their young players, especially when you come out and be electric. Are you looking to be that that guy that kind of gets the crowd motivated and gets them going? Yeah, I'm definitely a crowd guy, you know, um, you know, just being athletic and dunking on folks and just being all over the court, you know, that's something that I, I do in uh, defense. Yeah. So t- give me one player that you're looking forward to to, to maybe go out on defense and maybe take it to the hole. Uh, I say Westbrook. Yeah. You know, one of the guards that people are comparing me to. Um, you know, I feel that we're, we're kind of different, but you know, that'd be a great, great game to uh, see us matched up. 
that. Have you heard that comparison before you got into the NBA? Or? Yeah, I heard that comparison. Um, mostly because I, we're both athletic, around the same height, uh, love to play defense. So uh, that comparison was kind of accurate at the time. Now you played at Oregon State, so the fans there are pretty intense as well, too. Yeah. What do you think is going to be more intense, Oregon State or Dallas? I ho- hopefully Dallas is. Uh, <laughs> man, I'm mean, just excited to get on the floor and, and just to look out in the crowd and just see some new faces. All right, well, good luck, man. Hope we have you back on the show. All right. All right. Good luck. And that okay. was Jerry Cunningham on our sports radio. You heard it. He, he's Russell now a Cowboys fan, apparently. And he also says that he's ready to take Russell Westbrook to the hole. Well, well, good luck with that. He can take him to the hole, but can he guard him? And, and you know, I, I like this kid. Six four guard out of Oregon, like you said. He led the Pac-12 in steals as a junior and sophomore. He's all-defensive, all-tournament team selection. I, I, I like this guy. Uh, I think he has a lot of guts, and we we're gonna need his defense. And if he's this good in college, hopefully they can transfer to the NBA. And we need a a good defensive guard. We need somebody to stop a Westbrook. I compare him more to Devin Harris and Russell Westbrook. Well, it's probably a good like comparison. Devin Harris. Yeah, it's probably a good comparison as well. too. I think it's I think it's pretty cool though. He wants to take on the big guys, man. I, I think that's pretty nice. One thing that kind of puzzled me was the fact that he selected number one for his number. You know, that's that's pretty that's pretty big to select well, number one. Be careful what you wish for. That's what I said. That's what I said. Be careful what you wish for. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll get into our big debate on the Dream Team versus Team USA. And, Royce, I know you got your notes ready over there. I know you're ready to roll. Let's take a quick break. We come back. We'll discuss that. You're listening to RF Sports Radio, rfsportsradio.com. We are back. DeSoto Eagles football is back on RF Sports Radio. Starting August 31st, tune in to RF Sports Radio to hear live Texas high school football action. Coach Claude Mathis returns to lead the Texas football powerhouse on another big season. The electric Dez White and Oregon recruit Dontre Wilson lead a high-powered, high-scoring offense. And hear it all right here on RFSportsRadio.com. It all starts August 31st as the DeSoto Eagles take on Arlington Martin right there in Arlington, Texas. Tune in live for RFSportsRadio.com for live DeSoto Eagles football action only here. This is RF with the RF Sports Radio Show. Do you have a business, a product, a service, or a website, and you need more customers? Advertise with the fastest-growing Internet sports radio show and market your business to sports fans worldwide. Don't miss a unique opportunity to capitalize on the biggest marketing genre in the world. Email me at rfsportsradio at gmail.com. That's rfsportsradio at gmail.com. We have options for every budget, and don't let business pass you by. All right, and we are back live on RF Sports Radio. Let me go ahead and bring uh, Royce back on here as well, too. We did finally get ready again to this big debate. This debate you've been wanting to have for, you said, 20 years now. I've been waiting on it for 20 years. <laughs> that's also what I'm going That's a long time to debate something, 20 years. Let's bring on our uh, guest as well, too, our, our NBA expert, the guy that probably watch some more NBA than anybody I know that really knows the NBA, just like more than anyone I know. And that's Derek Page of HoopsWorld.com. Mr. Page, thank you for coming on the program, sir. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. No doubt, man. No doubt. So so we're going to we have a quick debate on this 92 Dream Team versus Team USA. And this all got started over Kobe Bryant making his comments about, you know, it would be very, very competitive. It's a comment. It'd be a very close game, and then we've had everyone react from Charles Barkley even to Michael Jordan today saying that when he heard it made him laugh, and he figured that only three players would actually – well, Barkley said only three of those players would make that team. Mr. Page, you write for HoopsWorld.com. People can follow you on Twitter, at DPageHoopsWorld. You answer these questions all the time. I'd like to get your answer before I get Royce's answer on who wins between the 92 Dream Team and the 2012 Team USA? 
there is no chance that this 2012 team would beat the 1992 Dream Team. I mean, when Smart you look man. at the at the two rosters, if you, if you look at, at the big men, and you, you both know that I'm a big fan of Tyson Chandler. He was a huge part of the Mavericks championship last year. But when you put David Robinson and Patrick Ewing right. against Tyson Chandler as the only center on the 2012 roster, I mean, that's a recipe for disaster in itself. Yeah, you lose right there. Well, let me just say this, okay? I respect your opinion. I respect Royce's opinion as well. I, on the other hand, feel like the 2012 team will beat the 92 Dream Team only because the way the game has changed, you know, at this point in basketball, the four and the five position really, not really a four and five position. You can really mix it between four, five, and three, and even two. In most cases, I think that the athleticism of the Team USA team, this team is going to really trump the Dream Team. They can't play that dump it down low basketball, the slow paced basketball, and expect to beat this team when they're running them up and down the court. And let's face it, now some of the Dream Team players, now Jordan at 29, excellent. You can't, Jordan, there's no one going to be able to guard them, period. We understand that. Oh, but I man. think that the other matchups are going to cause too many problems for some of those other guys like Carl Malone, uh, David Robinson is going to be playing down low and not able to guard these guys on the perimeter. That's the thing, though. When if let, Let's say the the best, really the best two perimeter defenders in basketball at that time were Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. So let's say they get beat, right, on the rare occurrence that the best player in NBA history, Michael Jordan, gets beat on the perimeter. Who do LeBron James or, or uh, you know, CP3 or Westbrook or Durant, who are they looking at right when they get to the rim? They're looking at David Robinson, who I don't know if, if you guys remember, but he is probably one of the best athletes in the history of the game of basketball. He was seven feet tall, and he was built like a, like a soldier, which is exactly what he was. I mean, he could move, he could jump, he could do anything you wanted him to do on the court. So let's let's uh, take a, a quick flashback to the Miami Heat versus the Dallas Mavericks in the NBA Finals. How yeah. much of a disrupting right. presence was Tyson Chandler to LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and guys like that? Think about what Patrick Ewing and, and David Robinson would be, and that's if they beat Michael Jordan on the perimeter or, or Scotty. That's true. Can I can I can I come in now, Ron? Sure, man. Go right ahead. Okay. And before I, I'm trying to convince Rodney, I do have somebody on my side. But let, let let's just go back. Before you go forward, you have to go backwards first. And we got to talk about the history of how this team even came about. You know, in 1988, the USA team finished third. Everybody was upset about that. In '89, FIBA changed the rules and made it where pro athletes can play in the Olympic Games. The USA came to the NBA and asked them to supply players. Now, we're talking about two Hall of Fame coaches, Chuck Daly and Lenny Wilkins, coached that team. And, Rodney, there's no way in the world that these guys, Sports Illustrated called them the most dominant squad ever assembled in the history of sports. They compared this team to Woodstock. Woodstock, y'all don't know anything about Woodstock, but Woodstock was one of the largest <laughs> events ever had. But anyway, this team is the next Mitch Basketball Hall of Fame. Only eight teams were ever put in there. Now, we're talking about a roster with Charles Barkley, Larry Bird, Clyde Drexler, Patrick Ewing, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Christian Layton. Got in there only because he beat out Shaquille O'Neal. Now, just imagine if Shaquille O'Neal had been in place of Christian Leighton, what that team would have been like. Carl Malone, Chris Martin, Scottie Pippen, David Robinson, John Stockton. And you telling me that the team you have now can beat these guys? Yeah, I am. I am telling you the team. Yeah, think, okay, think Robbie, about you this. You don't even have a center. Okay, think about You don't think, even have a center. You I, lose I just in a center that. position. But we don't need the center position to beat this team. You think about the okay, we all know how they did. They went in, they beat every team, they blew teams out, they were the talk of the Olympics. 
But the competition they played against, let's be honest, the competition no, now no, no. is ten times better. No. It's ten times better now than it I, was I, I back would in argue, 92. I, I would argue that part with this. In 89, everybody used their top athletes. The top athletes in Europe now are in the NBA. So you're really not getting the top athletes in other countries right now. You're getting the leftovers. No, you're getting the, you're getting the top guys. Oh no, oh no, oh no! All these top players were in the Europe. Let made it to the NBA. Let's ask let's ask our our NBA expert, Mr. Page. You can follow him, of course, at Derek Page. I'm sorry, at D Page Hoops World, and also find his uh, articles on HoopsWorld.com. Derek, let me ask you, man: the competition that they played against the '92 compared to the competition in 2012. You would have to say the competition now is a lot more intense than it was in '92. Definitely, and and that's that's actually a product of the Dream Team. You know, guys like Dirk Nowitzki, guys like Pau Gasol, that that watched the, the Dream Team and how dominant they were. It made them want to become NBA players, and and that's why right. you know the the really basketball internationally has grown so much because of the Dream Team and because of how dominant they were. And, hey, look, let's say, you know, the, the competition is ten times more stringent now. <laughs> the Dream Team were beating people by, like, 50 points. I mean, yeah. hanging, you know, 100 to to 35 and stuff like that. And just j- just going back to the comparison real quick, you know, what the real beef that I have with Kobe's statement was his rationale for the reason that this team could beat that team was because he said that they didn't have many players in their prime. And that's simply not true. The entire 92 Dream Team was in their prime, was in the prime of their career, except for Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. But every single one of those other one of those guys, I mean, Michael Jordan, Scotty, Charles, I mean, these were all guys at the at the height of their best NBA basketball ability. I mean, John Stockton, he was the best point guard in basketball at that point in time. Right. And the only reason he was the best point guard was because Magic wasn't playing, or Magic Johnson would have been, you know, his teammate would have been the best point guard in basketball. So that's just a ridiculous argument that these were like a bunch of old, slow guys that couldn't do anything. It's just simply not true. Okay, but think about John He made a point, Rodney. They beat everybody by an average of 44 points. We, we the, the first game they played was against Cuba, 136 to 57. I mean, a plus 68, plus 30, okay, well, plus 40. They dominated everybody. They're playing Cuba. Okay, so you telling me John Stockton best point guard in '92? I, I give I, I I agree with that whole wholeheartedly. Now I'm not saying that the Dream Team were a bunch of slouches. I I think they are some of the best players that ever played basketball. And, and that that age of basketball in the NBA, I, I like that age a lot better than I like the age now. But I'm looking at this sheer athleticism and the evolution of the basketball player from 92 to 2012. You can't tell me that John Stockton's going to be able to guard Russell Westbrook. Or Darren Williams, for that matter. John it's not going to happen. Big turns guarding Michael Jordan. That's how good of a team right. he, he was. Sure did. Look who he played against, Rodney. Look who he no competed play. against. Okay, okay. Who's going to guard Kevin Durant? Carl Malone? You think Carl Malone's going to go out there and guard Kevin you Durant? Put Scottie Pippen, Pippen on him. Guard him. Right. Put Scottie Pippen on him. Okay, so who because guards LeBron? If you put Scottie on Kevin Durant, who guards LeBron? You put Michael Jordan on him. Yeah. <laughs> then you yeah, leave him you know, Kobe Listen, I, I put you know I, I put that starting five right now. That the starting five for the '92 team was Magic, Michael, Larry, Carl, and Patrick. I put those five on the floor against your five right now, and I tell you, you wouldn't win. That's a, I mean, that's that's your opinion. Okay. I, just, I just look at the athleticism of the 2012 team is superior than what they had in '92. Let me ask you one uh, one question, Rodney. All right. If if there's one game that you want to win, and let's say in NBA history, let's say you're, you 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 have your team, you have whoever on your team, they have their team, they have whoever on their team, but you want one player that you know will win you the game, aren't you going to choose Michael Jordan? Do you bet Absolutely. against Michael Jordan? Absolutely, I'm choosing <laughs> Michael Jordan. Absolutely, I'm choosing Michael Jordan. But do you think it's- Michael Jordan – I think Michael Jordan at 40, 
44, 45, whatever he is right now, would die right. before, before he lost to Kobe Bryant. <laughs> think about what he could do in his 29. Well, but, but, I, 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 I think I think okay. Well, let me ask you this: Is it is it a blowout? Do they do they get blowed out? Is it a competitive game? No, it'll be close. Oh, oh. I, I, it'll be a close game. I I, I, I give them a close game. I, I really would, hey, but but go ahead. They're not going to beat them by fifty, and I don't think anyone really believes that. Right. But I, I just think that it would be, you know, the '92 team was so dynamic they could you know, do the, the whole pounded in the post game, or they could run and gun. They could throw out a lineup out there with Robinson at center. You could put Mullen at the power forward position, have Scotty at small forward, MJ at shooting guard, and Stockton at, at point guard. And you're talking about a team where each of those, uh, each of the starting five can dish the ball, they can run the floor, and each of them can hit jump shots. I mean, who, who's going to stop that? I don't care if you put Durant, LeBron, everybody on the court at the same time. If you want to run, the '92 team could have ran as well. And 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 how are you going to win on the boards with Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing, David Robinson? I mean, you lose just on the boards. Well, I, I give you that. I give you that. But what I, but I'm still going to hold to the fact that I feel like all of us, including myself, have always been conditioned that they were the greatest basketball team ever assembled, and and they earned that right. They've been put placed into the Hall of Fame as such. They've been celebrated as such, even during the time when it happened. I mean, the timing of it was perfect. It's like we know when Jordan came about, the timing of it was perfect. But I think the fact that we've been conditioned to do that, we can't really look at this team now with a real and give them a real shot, just based on our our prejudice of the dream team being the dream team. But I think if you really sit down and look at both of these teams playing each other, which we never will get a chance to see. I, I, I'm telling you, I think in a close game, somehow, some way, this 2012 team wins that game just off of sheer athleticism. Michael Jordan's going to lose a I, close game? Right. It's not going to be Jordan's game to lose. I think that, you know, you got to look at the other players on the court. Now, now, Jordan is the biggest competitor ever to touch a basketball. We know that. I can't say, well, Jordan's going to lose the game, or Jordan's going to let them lose. That's hard for me to right. even for me to There's say. No way. The no two way. teams, the two teams, the 2012 team, I think will take them. Yes, I the, hope they uh, they should come out with a game where you got the '92 team playing this team. <laughs> I, I really hope they do, and we can settle that question. But you know, having said that, Rodney, the only way that the 2012 team would beat the '92 team is that they played today, 20 years later. Because I, I, I'm telling you, there's no way they, they're bigger, they're stronger, they're more dominant, and we're talking about Hall of Fame players. Everybody on the eleven team, that might not make the Hall of Fame. Eleven Hall. But of everybody fame on this roster is in the Hall of Fame. Okay, I understand it. I understand it. You know, you know, Rodney, you're, it, it, it's only 20 years. I mean. You're, you're acting like the athletic difference between 92 and 2012 right. is like we're going back to 1955 and like right. we're all doing the Charleston. But 92 <laughs> was not that long ago. I mean, right. I mean, th- think about it. W- would you take the 92 Cowboys or the 2012? Uh, oh, okay, that's 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 first question. And like I said, it was the first year that they. It was the first time that that. Uh, the Olympic Committee allowed professional to play. Don't you think these countries that's chose, that's, that's chose their best players? That's what I said. It was a perfect storm. Their best players to do that. Their best players. It was the perfect storm. It all happened at the right time. That's what I'm saying. That's why we've been conditioned for them to be the greatest team. All right. Before uh, we let I you go, Derek, individually. Uh, honestly, I I don't even look at how gaudy their stats were against the world. I just look right. at them. Right. In individually, and how right. dominant they were for their prospective teams. I mean, these were all legit number ones on their team. You're, you're telling me Tyson Chandler is the number one offensive and defensive option on the Knicks? You're telling no, me Russell Westbrook no. number one offensive option on the – I mean, you, you have a bunch of guys on the same team. I mean, granted, there was Scotty and Mike from the Bulls, but other than that, each one of the – and, and uh, you know, Malone and Stockton, but each one of right. these guys were the man on their own team. They, they were the best. Okay, of the best. okay, okay. Would it change you guys' minds if instead of having only Tyson Chandler, they had 
Andrew Bynum, uh, Dwight Howard in the game, Lamarcus no, Aldridge. No, no. Does that change your mind then? No, no, absolutely not. That would make the score even worse. That's all I can say. <laughs> I don't think I that's did. the case. I, I think that that would definitely help. I th- yeah, I, I think if, if Aldridge was in a yeah. power forward, if, if Dwight was healthy in at center, I think you're looking at a much closer contest. But right. I would still take the – I would take – Think about the centers of this era compared to the centers of the 90s. You had Olajuwon, right. you had David Robinson, Shaquille O'Neal, Ewing, and two of those dominant four centers were on one team, and that was the you know, 1992 Dream Team. Well, well, and, and isn't that ironic that Christian later beat out Shaquille O'Neal for that final spot? Just imagine if Shaq had been there. Well, exactly. Imagine all we can do about this matchup. I guess I guess I have to concede that it's two on one. I've got no one calling <laughs> in to back me up. It's okay. I'm gonna get you guys on Twitter. Don't even worry about it. We will have never come out with the game. I'll play you. I'll be <laughs> the '92 Dream Team. Before we let you go, Derek, let me ask you, man. Uh, we I don't know if you missed our first sec. What caught our first thing? We talked about the Mavs. We had a uh, play the interview we did with Jay Crowder and Jerry Cunningham. Uh, of course, the deals they made today by uh, trading Young Mahimi to the Pacers, picking up Dante Jones and uh, Collison as well, and also Amnesty, finally, uh, Brendan Haywood. What do you think about the moves the Mavericks are making and how this team is kind of shaping up into a young but defensive-minded team? And, you know, also you, the the signing of Chris Kamen is huge. Right, Chris right. Kamen, right, right, yeah. Right. And and the fact that, you know, all of these signings are good, you know, Darren Collison is a 24-year-old point guard. He had a rough season last year, lost his starting job to George Hill, who, you know, is expected right. to be the, the starting point guard in Indiana this next season. But he's a 24-year-old, speedy, can get to the basket, can can blow by guys. And I, I don't know about you guys, but aside from Rodrigue Boubois, who's not, you know, he's not really a point guard, I don't remember the last time the Mavericks have had a, a dynamic point that can really – wreak havoc on the interior against teams. I think I think Jones is a is a solid defender. You know, right now I think you could pencil him in. You know, he, he and Vince Carter will probably battle it out for the starting two guard spot. But the the biggest acquisition is definitely Kamen. You know, him and, and Dirk are, are buddies. They both play on the German national team in, in the off season, and he is such a force when when healthy. That is. On both the defensive end of the floor, he's averaged 1.5 blocks per game for his career. And on, on offense, you know, he's a guy that'll that'll get you double digits every night and about eight or nine rebounds. So pairing him with Dirk, I think that's that's such a, a good building block to a decent season next season. And the fact that all these guys, Jones, uh, Collison, Kamen, they're either on the last year of their deal or with Cayman he signed just a one-year $8 million contract. So if the Mavericks want to go after Josh Smith, if they want to go after Dwight Howard, if they want to go after Chris Paul in the summer of 2013, they're still going to have that flexibility. So they can come out and shock the world this next season with a, you know, a pretty decent squad, you know, even in the Western Conference. But if not, they still have great flexibility in order to, to try to get that other superstar next to Dirk. Uh, let me ask you a question. Do they make the playoffs? Yes. I, I think as long as Dirk Nowitzki is on this team and in his prime, the team is going to make the playoffs because he's going to get you 25 points a game. He'll get you damn near 30 if he has to. And what is so great about Mark Cuban and Donnie Nelson, which they've, they've proved once again, as you know, Mavs fans were, were jumping off the building in droves, jumping off the AAC. Right. Uh, they, they're they so crafty and they're so thrifty in the way that they can get really talented players to come to Dallas. I mean, Darren Collison, even though he had a, an off year last year, think about two years ago when Chris Paul was right. injured almost the entire season and he was dominant. Right. Nobody right, he was. Yeah, I, I like that too. years old. Well, what about Scola? How do you feel about them getting in? Well, that's that's still being discussed. If if they were to put in a bid on Scola's, you know, if if the Rockets go ahead and amnesty Scola, and if they put in a bid, they'll have to get him for the next three seasons. Right. And I don't think that's something that they really want. I I think they'd rather have Elton Brand, 
But if if he doesn't come to Dallas, which I, I think the Lakers are, are targeting him, that's what I've heard from from around the league. Then I think they they might make a bid for Scola, but flexibility is the most important thing for for Dallas. Right. Well, and we talking about twenty one million, yeah, at least. Yeah. Well, well, again, Derek, man, thank you for joining us, man. I hope you can join us no again. And you can follow him online at DPage Hoops. Word. I already sent out the Twitter already that Dream Team won the debate thanks to thanks to you <laughs> tipping tipping the scales in, in their favor. So I can't yeah, argue but, with the expert. Make sure he made a great Twitter. argument. You know, earlier today I, I I had a bunch of of my followers ask me questions about it. So I did a, a, a position by position breakdown earlier today, like around eleven or twelve this morning. Yeah, so right. I got the centers, forwards, shooting guards. I, I break them down one by one. Why the dream team is better in every category. So check that uh, out. We got to post that. Yeah, we're gonna post that. We'll post that on the uh, website as well too. If I was man, Wait, thanks man for joining us. Convince everybody but Rodney. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys. All right, thank All you right, man. Thanks. Let's take a, let's take another quick break, Royce. We come back, we'll finish up this debate and also get into the uh, free report. And everything else going on in the sports as well, too. You're listening to RF Sports Radio. This is RF with the RF Sports Radio Show. Do you have a business, a product, a service, or a website, and you need more customers? Advertise with the fastest-growing Internet sports radio show and market your business to sports fans worldwide. Don't miss a unique opportunity to capitalize on the biggest marketing genre in the world. Email me at rfsportsradio at gmail.com. That's rfsportsradio at gmail.com. We have options for every budget, and don't let business pass you by. We are back. DeSoto Eagles football is back on RF Sports Radio. Starting August 31st, tune in to RF Sports Radio to hear live Texas high school football action. Coach Claude Mathis returns to lead the Texas football powerhouse on another big season. The electric Dez White and Oregon recruit Dontre Wilson lead a high-powered, high-scoring offense. And hear it all right here on RFSportsRadio.com. It all starts August 31st as the DeSoto Eagles take on Arlington Martin right there in Arlington, Texas. Tune in live for rfsportsradio.com for live DeSoto Eagles football action. Only here. Welcome back to the program, RF Sports Radio, rfsportsradio.com. We bring Royce back on. and Looks like a two-on-one expert and you got combined and I lost the debate. I was right as man and you to, to to admit it. I do you know, I don't know how you believe that anyway. I hope we persuaded you in the right direction. <laughs> well, I'm still getting a lot of reaction on Twitter. People are still saying Team USA, some still saying the dream team. And it's one of those things we could debate for so ever, man. It's it's gonna be so hard to really figure out what's going on. So yeah, like I said, until PlayStation brings it out, uh, this debate will go on and on until somebody can, you know, come up with something. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Let's jump into some other stuff. Again, you can follow us online at rfsportsradio.com. Also follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash rfsportsradio. We will repost uh, Derek Page's uh breakdown of the dream team matchup for matchup. I think that'd be pretty cool. We'll put that a link to that on the website. I want to thank you for joining us as always. One of the only guys I know that uh, writes for a big time uh, website and doesn't act out big time. So we want to thank you for coming on the show as well too. Let's jump into a, a topic that we don't like to discuss, but it seems like it's all over everywhere. Won't go away. Won't go away. That's got to be the report that was issued today, the free report, which is an independent investigation that was done about the scandal at Penn State. Um, as far as the stuff that we found out on the report, I won't get into all the details, but it, my thing is everything that we found out, and, of course, uh, Louis Free is – Yeah, I already knew. He, he was uh, he, he led the uh, – he was a former FBI director, uh, did an eight-month investigation, interviewed – 
435 different people, went through millions of emails, uh, just did a whole investigation. Of course, it's not a, a criminal investigation, but just an independent report. And everything that we found out, Royce, was pretty much, it's kind of like I knew this was going to yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah, everybody knew once the story broke, you, you had to know, you know. It was knowledge. It just proved everything that you ever thought about was true. And the whole thing has been discussed today about how what does it do for the legacy of Joe Paterno. And I just want to go on the record and say when this thing first broke out, the legacy of Joe Paterno was over then, uh, period. Absolutely. Anytime something like this happens on your watch and you're involved, you're a coach, you worked there, you knew about it, you was the equipment manager, you were the janitor, anybody that had any knowledge or idea of anything is responsible. And uh, should be held accountable as well too. One of the things that came out being reported, and I and I guess I remember this, or maybe I don't, was back in 1998, uh, the janitor actually caught Jerry Sandusky in the shower with a underage boy at the time, and uh, made the report to Joe Paterno, and Joe Paterno apparently reported to the board of directors, his superiors. They all knew about this. And yet the following year, Jerry Sandusky resigns, doesn't get fired, but he resigns and basically gets a service package of $140,000. After that, he had an emeritus position at Penn State, had an office at Penn State, still was able to use facilities to bring underage boys on the campus to try to get them ready and, and all this other craziness that he had going on in his mind at the time. Not only that, but then on the Alamo Bowl trip, brings an underage boy with him to the Alamo Bowl that stays in this hotel room. Now, if you're Joe Paterno, yeah. you know this. There's no way you can allow this stuff to happen. There's no way any Penn State official, like I said, equipment manager, player, whoever had any, yeah, any idea going you're on, right, you're right. is just as guilty as Jerry Sandusky. And, and, and for this to go on for 14 years, is an embarrassment to them and to turn on anybody that knew to see this go on, Rodney, as long as it did, to watch him bring young kids into that locker room, to offer him an office, to see him with young boys on trips. I mean, it, it, it's I'm embarrassed as a human being. That that, that to me, I, I even feel bad I got by going to see them play in the Cotton Bowl. We saw them play in the Cotton Bowl, and we know it was an elephant in the stadium. You know, that right. you know, and that was the beginning of the investigation. I feel bad for even going to the game as much as I love sports. It does put a stain on him. To me, everything he's done has been torn down. You can forget that. You know, great as a coach, but as a man, I give him a zero. I give him a grade of an F. I give him an A for his coaching career and everything he's done for football. But as a man, I give him a grade of an F. And everybody that knew about it, you know, for this to go on so long, and you knew in your mind, you know, that this was going on, and actually seeing him with boys, you know, it's just, how could you let, as a human being, let that even go on? It's just to me, it's it's bad. You know, and everybody that's sticking up, I didn't mean to cut you off, but everybody's sticking up for Joe Paterno. Yeah, yeah. All the apologists, they they need to stop it right now. I mean, right, you don't right, know right. what this man was hiding. You don't know what he knew. But you just right. never say, well, I know Joe Paterno. He wouldn't do something like that. I know Jerry Sandusky. He would never do something like that. I can't believe he would. It proves the point that you don't know anybody. You don't know what's going on in certain people's mind. Uh, Jay Paterno, Joe Paterno's son, son came out today. He did an interview with ESPN, and they asked him about this situation in 1998. This is what he had to say in response to knowing way back then this was going on and how come it wasn't stopped then. Again, the idea that he followed it closely is a gap that was filled in uh, by this commission. Uh, it's an opinion that they have. Uh, Joe is mentioned in one sentence in two different emails. We don't even know the topic of that conversation between Tim Curley and Joe Paterno, so we don't know how closely he was following it. So uh, I think for people to immediately uh, accept that conclusion, 
uh, drawn on two sentences of two emails is something that I think has to be investigated further. And when you know when the trials come up, coming up and still have to go, there will be sworn testimony that will probably clarify those situations. So uh, that's one of the things I find find uh, about that that is that I, that I take issue with. But I also think that again, that you, no matter what was said, uh, that that incident was turned over to law enforcement. Well, he knew, and, and you can't tell me he didn't know. Even after it was exposed the first time, it, it should have been a stop put on it. And, and for him right. to be a lifelong friend, and you don't know this is going on, after you've been told, and after everybody knew, and, and for you not to stop it when you did, to let it go on as long as it did, it's pathetic. Pathetic. And I, and I honestly feel like, and a lot of people are going to not like this opinion, but my opinion is Jerry Sandusky should not be the only person going to jail. You know, Absolutely. I, I know he was a predator. Absolutely. I know he he did all this harm, but all those people that knew that didn't protect these innocent kids, they were basically looking up to these guys at Penn State, looking up to Penn State football, Joe Paterno, and all this, this mystique that they have over at State College. They, somebody else should be paying the price as well, too. He shouldn't be the only one going to jail. And I think when it's all said and done, I don't think he will be. I think there are going to be more repercussions to come. This is just the first report, you know, and, and Jay Paterno did a great job of reminding everyone, hey, this is the first shoe to drop. There are going to be more shoes to drop as well, too. And I think that with this report, as, as explicit as it is, as detailed as it is, there will be criminal charges and lawsuits against the paternal family, the paternal uh, trust, Penn State. It, this thing is going to continue to roll downhill. And, you know, and we don't know how high this goes. And as much as I hate to see any school punished, I, I, I think there should be some kind of punishment handed down. That's just my personal opinion. I know that the guys there playing football I had no part of this. But we're talking about some adults and people in charge that knew and on that account, they called the school a bad name, and, and you know, they should pay. You know, I've seen it done with coaches. I've seen it done with players. Why not punish the school? This is some of the stuff that was written that uh, Free had to say uh, about the report. It said, our most saddening and sobering finding is the total disregard for the safety and welfare of Sandusky's child victims by the most senior leaders at Penn State. The most powerful men at Penn State failed to take any step for 14 years to protect the children who Sandusky victimized. He also went, say, went on to say, in order to avoid the consequences of bad publicity, the most powerful leaders of the university, Spaniards, Schultz, Paterno, and Curley, repeatedly concealed critical facts relating to Sandusky's child abuse. It means they lied. That means everybody yeah, absolutely lied. Absolutely, absolutely. And how many other people didn't come forward? And we don't. We actually don't know. I, I bet it was more than that. You know, it had to be because a lot of them didn't come forward. And like I say, this is the biggest stain on college football that I've seen in my entire life. It's sports. In sports, yeah, absolutely in sports. And, and I think that. Something should be done about it, and I, I think, you know, we saw SMU get the death penalty. We saw other schools get penalized for stuff that, that that's not even half as bad as this is, and I think that – do you think that they should be punished? I absolutely do, do. And, and that's what the next uh, the next lynch mob is going after now, the NCAA saying, okay, now that you know all this, what are you going to do? Right. You know, what sanctions are you going to do? Now, they sent a letter over to Penn State – November 17th, uh, basically telling them, hey, we know that you guys have lost control of the organization of the football program there. We need to know what your plan is to do for disciplinary actions for your own football team. Once we know that plan, we will go ahead and go further with what disciplinary action we want to go with. My thing is, the NCAA, why are you waiting? Absolutely. Why are you waiting? It's been four Absolutely. years since this happened. Why are you waiting? Why are you waiting to make a decision on something like this? They also asked uh, Jay Paterno before we get into, you know, what should happen next, you know, what he thought his dad would say now that this report is out. Of course, Joe Paterno did pass. He's unable to really answer these questions. But his son kind of enlightened us on what he thought his dad would have to say after this report came out. 
think he would say to continue to pursue the truth because, again, this is just one part of it. Uh, he would say continue to, to, to push on and find out all the things that happened. This, this report, it, you know, although it was eight months and 430 interviews, there's still some voices that have not been heard. Uh, the Free Commission did not have subpoena power, and there are some people that they did not talk to uh, that will have to, you know, they will have sworn testimony coming forward, going forward. So I think there are still more voices to be heard and more facts to be gathered and more perspective to be given to some of the emails and things that have come out. So I think there is still time to really uncover all the things that happened here. The best thing he can do, Rodney, is be quiet. I, I don't want to hear from him. Uh, you know, there's no statement he can make to make this better. There's no statement he can make about his father or anybody in that program that can smooth this over. And in my opinion, the best thing for him to do is be quiet and try to get a life. Absolutely, man. They need to be quiet because they don't know all the facts either. Right. I understand right. it's their family member, it's their dad, but you don't know all the facts. And there's no way you can make a real intelligent argument or comment if you don't know everything that really happened. You know, there's no way to really do that. Uh, and let me ask you, you know, we talked about what should happen next. They, they are, the, the question came up today, should they take down the statue of Absolutely. Nike went ahead and took his name off of the facility that they built. They had his name on it. It's a, a, a development facility for children. They took his name off of that. And now the debate is whether they should take that statue down. And I, I'm with you. I think they should take it down immediately. Yeah, yeah they should take the statue down, uh, not mention his name again. Uh, let this thing do, die out. You know, there's a lot of people out there suffering. You know, yesterday one of the moms came out, and they were really angered by all this, and, and a lot of mothers and uh, children that were angered by this. As a matter of fact, the whole if you took an opinion poll right now, uh, the the country would go in favor of that. But I, absolutely, they should get rid of the statue. They should uh, come down on the program. I'm waiting to see what the NCAA does. I expect them to do something. And uh, the, the the get this thing over with, no more talk about it, try to let it die out. The more you talk about it, the more it's in the news. And I'm ready to get over it and move forward. No doubt about it, man. And, and, and put in some rules that it never happened again. That's all right. But you know what, though? The other part of it is we can't be – hypocritical as media members or, or anyone that talks sports when we see a, a school or program fire a coach right away or let go of a player right away when they see like right. something happen, like right. a DWI or uh, someone accuses a coach right. of doing something. Yeah, a These schools have to act, Yeah, they have to act right away. You know, this, and we can't blame Penn State for not acting over 14 years and then be mad at uh, Ohio State for letting Jim Trestle go or, or anything like that that happens. You, you can't be mad about that at all. Let's say let's take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we'll get more into this and also into the NFL talk as well, too. You listen to the RF Sports Radio Show, rfsportsradio.com. We are back. DeSoto Eagles football is back on RF Sports Radio. Starting August 31st, tune in to RF Sports Radio to hear live Texas high school football action. Coach Claude Mathis returns to lead the Texas football powerhouse on another big season. The electric Dez White and Oregon recruit Dontre Wilson lead a high-powered, high-scoring offense. And hear it all right here on RFSportsRadio.com. It all starts August 31st as the DeSoto Eagles take on Arlington Martin right there in Arlington, Texas. Tune in live for RFSportsRadio.com for live DeSoto Eagles football action only here. This is RF with the RF Sports Radio Show. Do you have a business, a product, a service, or a website, and you need more customers? Advertise with the fastest-growing Internet sports radio show and market your business to sports fans worldwide. Don't miss a unique opportunity to capitalize on the biggest marketing genre in the world. Email me at rfsportsradio at gmail.com. That's rfsportsradio at gmail.com. We have options for every budget, and don't let business pass you by. And we are back here at RF Sports Radio, rfsportsradio.com. Uh, we've had a great show. We had, of course, uh, Jay Crowder, 
Jerry Cunningham on the show as well as Derek Page who came on and joined us during our big debate over the Dream Team versus Team USA. Looks like the Dream Team won the first round of debates. Of course, you guys can still react by going to the website. One quick question, Rodney. Who was the leading scorer in the 1992 Olympic team? I don't know, but I'm sure it was Jordan. Charles Barkley, 18 points a game. Michael Jordan averaged 14 points a game. Okay. They were so good that they didn't even have to average 20 points a game. Let's see how many let's points Kobe has to get. No, let's, <laughs> see, let's see how many points Kevin Durant averages, who had 21 in the first half. He started to score at least 25 points. In order for them okay. to win, nobody on this dream team had to do that. It was just that good. Uh, we'll see. We'll okay. definitely. I just see. wanted to throw that in, add a little few to the fire. We'll definitely see. Uh, before we go tonight, we want to touch on uh, we touch on college football a little bit with the free report. Let's touch on a little bit of NFL, man. NFL is coming back. We haven't talked about it in quite some time. Uh, a story that uh, again I'm gonna say I told you so. I said it last Tuesday. The Saints and Drew Brees are still reportedly a millions apart. Drew Brees says the deal's not done by set by Monday, which is the deadline for the franchise tag. He's not going to sign a franchise tag deal, and he will sit out of training camp and possibly a couple of games. He was at the ESPY Awards uh, last night. Did he sit out until he gets a deal done? Absolutely. And how can you go from a couple of months ago from $2 million apart, which was last reported, to $10 million apart, they're going in the wrong direction. And like I say, it'll be a stain on the Saints organization and the city of New Orleans if they don't get Drew Brees signed. And why would you let him sit out? Jerry, okay, so get who, your checkbook. Jerry, get your checkbook ready. Who who holds the cards here? Is it Drew Brees? Drew or Brees. I, I think Drew Brees because if you don't bring him back, it's already a stain on the organization. You lost your head coach. You lost some key players. And to lose your quarterback? Well, I, I, I said it's a no-brainer to sign Drew Brees. That's the only highlight you can do this season right. to save a fan base down in New Orleans. To save the city. He's bringing Drew Brees back. So why they haven't done that, I, I don't understand that. I, I, I mean, to go from two, you know, a couple of months ago it was reported, $2 million apart, which, which I, I could see. That's negotiable. But how you go from two million to now ten million? Yes, yeah, that, that, that says a lot about negotiating with Drew Brees. I mean, that's a that's almost a slap in the face. Yeah, sounds like it. It sounds like it to me. In other news, uh, of course, that that story is developing. But again, I'm just going to say I told you so. I told you how that was going to happen. We had a uh, spirited debate before we got on the air about quarterback. A uh, heated debate. <laughs> Drew Brees was involved in that as well, too. Uh, the Seau family has decided, Roy, to donate brain tissue of Genghis Seau for more research. I'm definitely happy about that. I thought I was hoping they would uh, because you just need to know what you need to know um, and just in case anything else is going to happen. Also, uh, Gordon, the uh, wide receiver, from the Baylor Bears, who was uh, out, had to sit out based on his uh, off-the-field conduct and getting hurt, did get picked up in the supplemental draft in round two today. And the NFL has filed a grievance against Jonathan Vilma for him to drop his lawsuit against the NFL. He's decided to right. take to Twitter and say that he's not going to do that whatsoever. Well, my understanding in the collective bargaining agreement, that was part of the deal that the players can't sue owners or the NFL, so... Uh, apparently he can't do it, you know. So that needs to die down too. I, he's not gonna get up here. It's already been stated that you know he, he, he's talking on death ears. So uh, what other way but to go to Twitter? I think all this means one thing: that we need basketball back early. We need it back <laughs> as quick as possible. And he start playing some games. You to the NFL season. I am looking forward to the season, but it didn't get started, man. I'm tired of all this other stuff that's going on. I'm, I'm ready for some football. I'm ready to talk about uh, a couple of weeks. Yeah. A couple of weeks, we'll be talking football. You're, everybody knows you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, and we'll have to do, we'll, we'll do a lot of talk about that. And I'm really looking forward to the NBA season 
I'm sorry, NFL season. Right now, I'm enjoying what I'm seeing going on in the NBA. We're going to see a whole new season next year, a whole new team. I'm anxious to see that, too. Yeah, me as well, man. Again, thank you everyone for tuning in. Make sure you tune in on Tuesday night, 10.30 p.m. Central Standard Time, 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, follow us on the web, rfsportsradio.com. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash RF Sports Radio. I want to thank Jay Crowder, Jerry Cunningham, the Dallas Mavericks, as well as Jerry Page of HoopsWorld.com. Follow him on Twitter at DPageHoopsWorld. Until then, we see you guys next week. Be safe this weekend, and thank you for listening to Sports Talk from a fan's perspective when you want it.